Welcome to Season 1 of Pick the Plot. I'm Rebecca McKinnon, your host for this interactive story experience. Together, we'll travel through an original story. A story that's being written as we go, so you can have a say in what happens. This season, we're experiencing a Regency story. Will it be an adventure? A fish-out-of-water story? Or a sweet romance? Maybe it will be a combination of all three. It's up to the listeners, driven by each choice you make. Because on this podcast, the listeners get to pick the plot. As we ended our last episode, Marianne was faced with the decision of either accepting her grandmother's invitation to go to London or staying in the country. The results were unanimous. You wanted her to go to London. Episode 4. Eccentricities and Scandals London. It was more crowded than she remembered. And dirtier. And worst of all, noisier. There are so many people. How do they manage to find enough space to breathe? Most of them would rather be in London than in the country, you know. There's more gossip in town than anywhere else, and these women need to sharpen their teeth on something. Grandmother paused. Society ladies don't care for the country, unless there's a house party to be involved in. They return to the country not because they enjoy it, but because it's expected of them. Marianne looked out of the carriage window. I suppose once the season ends, the entertainments stop as well. Grandmother raised her parasol and wrapped the handle against the carriage top. They rolled to a stop and the driver opened the door. We'll walk from here. Grandmother accepted the driver's help exiting the carriage. Marianne followed suit. The street was crowded with young ladies and their mothers, all anxious to return to their country estates with their trunks filled with the latest fashions fresh from Bond Street. As she took in the finery around her, and the sidelong glances sent her way, Marianne felt for the first time that her best dress was shabby. She huffed, then straightened her spine. She refused to allow these ladies, these strangers, to make her feel she didn't belong. In her normal life, Marianne had no need for finery. We'll meet you here when we're through, Grandmother was telling their driver. She took Marianne's arm and led her into the throng. Shopping is one of the best parts of London. When we're through, your wardrobe will be overflowing. I really don't need anything, Grandmother. Marianne stopped short as two large, very loud women stepped in front of them. She just managed to stop her Grandmother from poking one of the women in the back. Grandmother's eyes glittered. She was either looking to make trouble or angry. Since Marianne had never seen the woman angry, it would seem Grandmother was after trouble. Behave, she whispered. Nonsense, Grandmother said, ignoring Marianne's admonition. You need everything. We're looking for the right kind of scandals, and those can only be achieved with the proper clothing. The right kind of scandals. Marianne laughed. Her previous experience with scandal must not have been of the right kind. It had caused a very uncomfortable month for herself and everyone who showed her kindness. The modiste's shop was busy, but once Grandmother made it known they'd be ordering several dresses each, they were immediately led to chairs at the only empty table. Behind the shop assistant sitting across from them, rows and rows of drawers lined the wall. 
Marianne tried to ignore the curious gazes turned their way, as women who'd been waiting their turn realized their wait had just been extended. They spent a ridiculous amount of time looking at fashion sketches before they progressed to inspecting fabrics and the trims tucked into the plethora of drawers. It was overwhelming, to say the least. After Grandmother had completed her selections and encouraged Marianne to order more dresses than she had reason to wear, they moved into the fitting rooms. Measurements were taken, and at her grandmother's insistence, Marianne was fitted for several almost-ready dresses. The final alterations would be made, and the selected trims added while they waited. Marianne took pleasure in the fact that her dresses would all be colorful, rather than the ever-present whites and pastels of the young women hoping to find a suitable match from the marriage mart. Just as Marianne was emerging from the fitting room in one of her new dresses, Grandmother's voice rang out, the Vinia Knight, is that you? The shop went quiet as the other shoppers all turned to see what was happening. As they realized there was nothing gossip-worthy, they returned to their own business. Eleanor Thistlewait, as I live and breathe, why is this the first I'm seeing you? Marianne watched the newcomer with interest as she approached them. She was of an age with Grandmother, and her lined face bore a formidable frown. Grandmother simply raised an eyebrow at the woman. I don't often come for the season, you know. My granddaughter and I have just arrived in town for shopping. Ah, a young chit, is she? Not ready for a coming out, but wanting to experience London. Marianne reached her grandmother's side. Not having been introduced, she should have held her tongue, but Marianne discovered she didn't actually care. I'm not young, and I don't particularly care for London. There are too many vipers in bonnets, for my taste. The woman blinked, then barked a single laugh that had the other shoppers looking at her again. I like this one, Eleanor. At the woman's approval, Marianne felt the room full of eyes turn on her. You must come visit me. We'll have a dinner party for you, and I'll introduce you to my grandchildren. It's high time my grandson found a wife. You're married, my dear? To my mother's annoyance, no. Good. She emphasized the word with a thump from her jeweled walking stick. We'll see what we can work out with my grandson. Really, Lavinia, not everyone wants you to arrange a marriage for them. Grandmother rolled her eyes at Marianne. Mrs. Knight believes it's her calling to help every woman marry. Marianne didn't know what to say. She was most uncomfortable with the talk of marriage. It reminded her too clearly of Lord Humphreys and his announcement that he'd convince her to marry him, and of the knowledge she was likely to agree. Shall we say in two days' time? You'll have the written invitation today. Are you at a hotel? We've taken a house. Grandmother rattled off the Berkeley Square address, and the women bid their farewells. After leaving their address with the shop so their purchases could be delivered, they stepped back into the noisy street. The rest of their shopping was uneventful, and Marianne was glad to return to the townhouse where she could escape the press of bodies. Her relief was short-lived. She hadn't reached the first-floor landing before she heard someone ordering one of the maids to fetch a pot of tea. Marianne cringed at the voice. She went to the drawing room and stopped in the doorway. What are you doing here, Mother? I don't see why your grandmother refused to inform this woman that I'd arrived in town and should be invited as well. It would be terrible manners to insist on bringing an extra guest to a dinner party, Mother. Marianne straightened her gloves as she tried to hold her temper in check. 
I can't believe you, of all people, are pushing anyone to have less than perfect manners. Mrs. Thistlewaite huffed. Everyone knows your grandmother's eccentric at best. Her rudeness wouldn't even be commented upon. Marianne paused. That was one aspect of eccentricity she wouldn't mind embracing. Perhaps Grandmother was right, and it was time for her to create her own reputation around the things she enjoyed. Everyone knows you're nearly as unusual as your grandmother, Mrs. Thistlewaite continued. I wouldn't have mentioned it at all, but Charles, and even Jasper, have already gone out for the night. You can't leave me here alone, in a strange townhouse. What would people think? I don't care what people think. Marianne realized with a start that it was true. Perhaps she was well and truly on her way to becoming eccentric. As you are Grandmother's uninvited guest here, perhaps you should just be grateful she didn't see fit to send you away. Well, I never... Mrs. Sisselwaite turned and marched up the stairs. She moved with enough irritation that her skirt actually swished. Marianne stared after her, feeling as if she ought to apologize for something, but not feeling the least bit sorry. Not for the first time in the past two days, Marianne wished Charles hadn't been so soft-hearted as to allow their mother to maneuver her way into joining them. It had been a happy surprise to return home from dress shopping and discover Charles and Jasper in the library off the main floor hallway. She'd had no idea her grandmother had invited them. The discovery that Mrs. Thistlewaite had joined them uninvited was not so happy. The ride to Mrs. Knight's home wasn't long, and it took great effort for Marianne to put her annoyance aside. Just put your mother from your mind, my dear. I always do. Grandmother led the way to the door, moving with an ease few women her age could manage. Marianne had no time to reply before the butler ushered them inside. It would be a lovely evening. Marianne would make sure of it, if for no other reason than to be able to tell her mother she didn't know when she'd had such a perfect night. The butler bowed as he opened another door for them, and they stepped into a sitting room. Grandmother, is something wrong? Charles crossed the room to join them, worry etching his face. Did something happen to mother? Stop fussing, dear boy. Grandmother patted his arm. Charles's worry turned to confusion. I suppose if there was an emergency, you wouldn't have come yourself, but how did you know we were here? Marianne noticed Jasper leaning against the mantel nearby. She smiled at his questioning gaze, but she hadn't expected to see him or Charles. We were invited to dinner. A look of understanding flitted over his face. This is where Grandmother's friend is? Neither of you mentioned it. Grandmother had moved away to greet Mrs. Knight, trusting the two of them to follow. Marianne! A girl bounced across the room toward them. I'm so glad to see you again. Marianne blinked. It only took a moment for her to place the girl, despite only having met her once. Lady Beatrice? I didn't know you were coming, too. Her lower lip stuck out, and a crease appeared between her eyebrows. Then her face cleared. Granny said she'd invited people, but we didn't know who. It would seem our grandmothers are friends. Lady Beatrice leaned in and lowered her voice. I didn't know Granny had any friends. She doesn't approve of anyone. Really? Marianne wondered if they were speaking of the same person. From our brief meeting, Mrs. Knight seemed almost a force of nature, but she was very kind. Someone leaned in from behind Marianne. She's most certainly a force of nature. 
Marianne knew the voice. It made the hairs on the back of her neck rise and sent a thrill through her. She angled herself to include him in their conversation. She is. Lord Humphreys looked at her, his dark eyes warm in a way she hadn't seen before. Marianne. Felix, I didn't expect to see you here. Lady Beatrice grinned and moved away, leaving them alone at the end of the room. Felix's gaze didn't leave her. You're beautiful. Marianne didn't know what to say. As many men as her mother had tried to foist her onto, none of them had seen fit to bestow her with compliments. Her laugh sounded nervous, even to her. Grandmother insisted I needed a new dress. I hadn't noticed the dress. He cleared his throat and looked away. Marianne took the chance to breathe. She put two steps between them before speaking again. I didn't think I'd see you while I was here. His eyes flashed in an unsettling manner. When your grandmother mentioned scandals, I thought it might be best if I came, in case you needed help. Marianne didn't dare ask if he wanted to help her out of a scandal, or into one. Felix hesitated. Then he took a deep breath and moved near enough his words danced on her neck. What is the scandal that resides in your past? Your grandmother didn't mention anything beyond its existence. Marianne had known she'd have to face the question eventually. She'd just hoped eventually would have the grace to turn into never. She glanced across the room. The grandmothers were watching. Marianne became aware of the way Felix was leaning in to whisper in her ear. She gulped a shaking breath and moved half a step away. The scandal? It was nothing. A misunderstanding of sorts. It hadn't felt like nothing at the time. It had felt like a living nightmare. Everyone talking and judging and condemning. Still, it had been nothing like what Marianne was certain Felix was imagining. His head tilted and Marianne winced. He wanted to ask more. She offered a tiny smile as she took another step away. I should greet your grandmother. I don't want her to feel I'm being rude. Of course. Marianne crossed the room, aware of Felix's gaze on her as he followed. When she saw Mrs. Knight's satisfied smile, she considered faking a headache. It would be a relief to return to Berkeley Square. But there was no escaping what was turning into an uncomfortable evening. There you are, my dear, Mrs. Knight reached for Marianne. Marianne allowed Mrs. Knight to grasp her hands. In spite of everything, she liked the woman. Mrs. Knight, it's lovely to see you again. As they continued their pleasantries, Marianne noted the others in the room. The two families didn't make for a large dinner party, but at least she knew a little about each of them. Felix continued to stand a fraction too close to Marianne, but exchanged several glances with his sister. Marianne didn't understand any of them. Charles was watching Marianne with a combination of approval and sadness. She'd need to ask him about that at some point. Lady Beatrice, while silently communicating with Felix, was trying to flirt with Jasper. For his part, Jasper was sending Marianne pointed looks, begging to be saved from boredom. Marianne sighed. If Felix had his way, and he might just be persuasive enough, there would be many more dinners with these people. And the mothers. Dinner was announced and Mrs. Knight took charge. 
we won't wait for Oliver. He never did say if he'd be joining us. Felix offered Marianne his arm and escorted her to the dining room. When dessert was served, Mrs. Knight turned her full attention on Marianne. You didn't mention you already knew my grandson. Marianne set her fork down. I didn't know who your grandson was, ma'am. Mrs. Knight's lips twitched. Call me Granny. Granny, your grandson and I met a number of weeks ago. We're neighbors. I'm going to marry her, Granny. Felix sat back with a smile. Marianne closed her eyes. She should have faked a headache and left, no matter how rude it would have been. You agreed to be introduced to a man, knowing I had matchmaking in mind while you were already engaged. Lady Beatrice shrieked. You knew I wanted her as a sister and didn't tell me you'd proposed? Opening her eyes, Marianne glared at Felix before turning back to Mrs. Knight. We are not engaged, ma'am. She turned to Lady Beatrice. He hasn't proposed. Yet, Felix added. He reached up to brush his fingertips against Marianne's cheek. Marianne tried not to laugh at the absurdity of the conversation. It seemed rather unfair her family wasn't jumping to her defense. Charles should have, if no one else cared to. He was too busy enjoying the scene. Mrs. Knight glared at Felix over her glasses. What are you waiting for? Ask her already so we can get to planning the wedding. Felix turned to Marianne and smiled. Oh dear. I'm waiting until she's ready to say yes. Marianne let out a breath she hadn't realized she was holding. In that moment, she decided she liked him even more. Granny, I do believe you like Marianne. Lady Beatrice's eyes were wide. But you don't like anyone. Mrs. Knight actually smiled. Of course I like her. She made me laugh in the middle of a shop. How did you manage that? Felix asked. Jasper laughed. I'd guess she said something rude. Marianne flushed. Vipers in bonnets, I believe, she called the ladies. Granny laughed again at the memory. This town is full of them. Marianne found it hard to keep a straight face, even through her embarrassment. She took a drink. The glass wasn't large enough to hide behind, but it was better than nothing. Leave the poor girl alone, Lavinia. Marianne wanted to hug Grandmother. Then she noticed the way Grandmother's eyes were twinkling, and knew she hadn't been saved. Lady Beatrice, do you play the piano? Grandmother asked. Of course. Lady Beatrice's cheeks colored becomingly. And you embroider? She nodded. My finishing school insisted on all the ladylike arts. Grandmother turned her gaze to Marianne. Marianne sighed. I know I'll never pass as a lady, Grandmother. It's never bothered me. You weren't taught music and embroidery? Mrs. Knight asked. She didn't look horrified, as Marianne had expected, merely intrigued. Marianne shook her head. My mother tried to teach me, but the angrier she got, the less I learned. Eventually, my father made her stop. Your father wanted you to choose the kind of woman you became, Grandmother said, her voice quiet. He was very good to me, Marianne agreed. What kinds of things did you get to learn instead? Lady Beatrice asked, her voice laced with jealousy. Marianne is an artist, Charles said. He smiled across the table at her. I've never met anyone who paints as she does. Felix cleared his throat. 
She has skills much more useful than playing the piano. She understands the land and plants. My gardener was impressed with her recommendations for our new hedgerow. Oh, and she cooks. Marianne felt her cheeks getting warmer. She has a garden, Grandmother added. She's an excellent horsewoman. Jasper's eyes twinkled. Her face was burning. She hoped he knew better than to mention her preferred way of writing. Could one actually die of embarrassment? There's no need to expose all my failings. Jasper laughed. I wouldn't dream of it. Mrs. Knight nodded at Marianne. A woman should never be too perfect. Life is much more exciting if you cultivate eccentricities. Felix reached for Marianne's hand. Granny would certainly know about that. Marianne and I are here to court scandal, Lavinia. By the time we return to the country, one will never know what to expect from her. Mrs. Knight's grin was positively terrifying. I might be persuaded to join you. It's been ages since I was involved in a good scandal. Marianne had a feeling she was going to regret coming to London. Marianne crossed the townhouse garden to the stables. It was early enough only the servants were moving about, and Marianne managed to avoid everyone but the stable boy. He was cleaning the stalls when she slipped in. Brushing away his offers of help, Marianne led her brother's horse from his stall and set about readying him for a ride. For just a moment, she considered riding bareback. She quickly discarded the idea. She wouldn't want anyone to think she had stolen the horse. She bypassed the side saddles and reached for the saddle Charles used. A bubble of guilt rose in her at her mother's reaction, should she learn Marianne had ridden astride again, but she squelched the concern. The horse was used to this saddle, and it was early enough she wasn't likely to be seen by anyone who'd care. And if someone were to see? Well, it would only be a minor scandal. Marianne bent her legs at an angle that allowed only her boots and ankles to be seen. Not an easy feat when riding astride in a dress. She left the stable and made her way down the street. It wasn't far to Hyde Park. Later in the day, the park would be busy, and the ring was sure to be crowded with everyone wanting to see and be seen. At such an early hour, the park was deserted. Marianne allowed the horse to go from a walk, to a trot, to a gallop. She'd forgotten to put on a bonnet and her hair worked free of the loose knot to stream behind her. One day soon, she'd ask Charles if she might have a horse again. Marianne passed the ring and brought the horse back to a walk as they wandered along the bank of the serpentine. What she'd meant to be a short ride turned into a long exploration of the park. It was only after she'd seen several other riders that Marianne turned the horse back toward Berkeley Square. The roads outside the park were getting busy, and Marianne had to pretend she didn't notice the curious glances her riding position garnered. When she reached the townhouse, the stable boy was nowhere to be seen. Marianne set about removing the horse's tack and brushed him down. After promising the animal she'd bring him an apple as soon as she could find one, she led him back to his stall. Marianne! She looked around but didn't see anyone. Who's there? There was a thump, and someone stepped from a shadow. Marianne had hardly a glimpse of him before he fell to the ground. Whoever he was, he needed help, 
and he knew her name. Marianne hurried to his side and rolled him to his back. Oliver? Oliver's face, normally so full of life and humor, was bruised. His shirt was dirty and torn, stained with patches of red and rust. What happened to you? He reached out, grasping weakly at her sleeve. Don't tell anyone. How did he think he was going to hide his injuries? Don't be ridiculous. You need a doctor. Oliver shook his head and tried to push himself to his feet. He swayed dangerously, and Marianne hurried to his side. She wrapped an arm around his waist to support him. You can help me, can't you? He leaned more heavily against her. In secret? Marianne shook her head. She shouldn't. She had no medical training, and nowhere to hide him except her bedroom, or the tiny sitting room attached to it. Let's get you inside. He tried to protest, but couldn't manage more than a groan. Marianne half-dragged him across the garden and into the house. The morning room was empty, but there were voices in the dining room. Marianne peeked through the doorway. Charles was deep in conversation with their grandmother, and Marianne was able to hurry Oliver past the doorway. They stumbled another dozen steps, making it to the servants' stairs unseen. Then things became difficult. Oliver tried to pull himself up the stairs, his weakened hands grasping at the rail, and Marianne pushed from behind. They weren't even to the landing halfway between floors when Marianne heard someone coming up from the basement. With a desperate shove, Marianne got him up the final steps and around the bend where they wouldn't be seen. She held him against the wall as they waited. They were both breathing heavily, and Marianne hoped whoever it was would be going to the dining room or anywhere else on the ground floor. If they came up the steps, Marianne and Oliver would be caught for sure. The footsteps grew softer as the servant making them moved away. Marianne sighed with relief. They were safe. Come on, then. We've got a long way to go. Marianne already regretted her decision to hide Oliver, and by the time they passed the first floor and made it to the second, Marianne was ready to sit in the hallway and let the first person who passed discover her sneaking Oliver to her bedroom. She nearly laughed. Two scandalous acts in one morning, riding astride in public and inviting a man into her bedroom, and she hadn't even had breakfast yet. Half the length of the hallway. She could cross the distance easily if she were alone, but Oliver had been getting heavier as he became weaker. As it was, she had to drag him, barely conscious, down the hallway and into her bedroom, then through the doorway to the sitting room. Finally safe, Marianne fell to the floor beside Oliver and closed her eyes. A quiet moan beside her had her sitting back up. Perhaps it was the backdrop of the well-kept home, but Oliver's injuries looked worse than they had in the stable. Fingers shaking with unspent adrenaline, she began to inspect him. Dirt and blood hid the scrapes and colored the bruises. Marianne hurried to her bedroom for the towel and basin of water that had been left for her to wash with. Wetting the towel, she began to dab at his face. As she worked, his injuries became more clear and the water more clouded. Both his eyes were blackened, and his left eye was threatening to swell closed. There was a shallow cut across one cheekbone another over an eyebrow, and a third on his jaw, where a number of bruises showed he'd taken several punches. Thank you. Marianne started. She'd been so focused on his marred face, she hadn't realized he was awake. You're welcome. She rinsed the towel in the water basin and wrung it out. 
Why, Oliver? Why did this happen? Why did you come here? Why can't you tell anyone? I owe someone money. They wanted it, and I didn't have it. How much? She couldn't imagine any amount was worth the beating he'd taken. A lot. Marianne started to clean his hands. I'm sure Felix would help you. Oliver's hands curled into fists. Marianne carefully unfolded the fingers and continued to wipe away the dirt. I can't go to Felix. He's... he wouldn't understand. I'd be surprised if he's ever gambled. For Felix, things are right or wrong, and gambling is wrong. He thought he'd cleaned up my mess before dragging me to the country. I hadn't told him about the worst debt, and already he called me reckless. He feels like he can't live up to his half-brother, but I'll never live up to the expectations everyone has for me based on his determination to try. Half-brother? Oliver flinched. I'm telling you my secrets, and all you can do is ask about Benedict. Marianne dropped the towel in the basin. I'm sorry, it caught me off guard. I'm going to call for a maid to take this away and bring more water and towels. She slipped from the sitting room, pulling the door closed behind her. She rang for the maid and sat on the edge of the bed to wait. She knew she needed to change. She smelled of horse and sweat, but she was tired to her bones. The maid wrinkled her nose at the filthy water, then turned and left the room without saying anything. While she was fetching more water, Marianne forced herself off the bed, changed into a clean dress, and began combing through the tangles her hair had accumulated on her ride. The park felt like it was days ago. When the maid returned, Marianne was feeling much more put together. She waited to be certain the woman was gone before turning the key in the lock. In the sitting room, Marianne managed to get Oliver's coat off. She hesitated, then ripped the torn fabric of his shirt. The blood on his shirt must have come from his face and arms, but his chest and side were mottled with bruises. As she cleaned his side with the cool water, Oliver flinched. She ran her fingers down his side. Something felt wrong. I think something's broken. Oliver gasped as she gently pressed against the odd spot. Let me get Charles. He'll know what to do. He shook his head. You can't. He won't understand. Marianne huffed. The first thing she should have done upon finding Oliver in the stable was to send for Felix. Jasper, then. He'll understand. He's had his own gambling debts. Oliver put his hand to his side and pushed, trying to fix the problem. What little color was left in his cheeks disappeared. Please, I don't know what to do. But it was too late. Oliver's eyes rolled into his head and his hand fell to the floor. She needed help. Felix knew Oliver best. She could send for him. She knew he'd come. But Oliver had made it clear he didn't want Felix to see him like this. Charles always knew what to do, and he was just downstairs. But Oliver hadn't wanted his help either. Her only other choice was Jasper. Would he understand, or would he condemn Oliver's choices? Marianne sat beside Oliver, watching his chest rise and fall. How could she possibly fix him when she didn't even know what was wrong? She needed to find help before things got worse. What will happen in our next episode? That's for you to decide. Voting will be open for one week at rebeccamckinnoncom slash pick the plot. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I look forward to seeing where our story goes from here. Thanks for joining me.